He's 15, that's all. Happens all over Janice. Some boys don't come out of the closet, they explode. From Slightly Unbalanced, we are still Queer as Folk, UK. I'm Patrick Randall. And I'm Matt Dominguez. Today we're talking about episode five of Channel 4's Queer as Folk, and it's called The Date. First aired in the UK on March 23rd, 1999, and it was written by show creator Russell T. Davies. The date was directed by Sarah Harding, her first of four episodes of Queer as Folk UK. She also directed an astonishing 50 episodes of Coronation Street, which I believe we heard about in the first episode. Yes, we did. It's been a, actually there's been a Coronation Street mention in every episode of Queer as Folk so far. Oh, wow. <laughs> Here's the synopsis of the date. Hazel begins to think that Nathan is taking advantage of her when he stays out all night. Vince lands himself a date with a sexy Australian accountant named Cameron Roberts. Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> and winds up short one cell phone, but up one hot tongue kiss. Ooh, I'm still thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stuart gets a visit from his sister, Marie, who asks him to babysit her two sons, but instead takes out his closeted client, Martin Brooks, which you will hear <laughs> multiple times in this episode, uh, where he runs into Nathan and later Vincent Cameron. You know, Matt, with this episode, we're halfway through the entire show. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was looking through the episodes we have left, and when I got to when I clicked on like season two, it's episode one and episode two, and I was like, oh, there's just uh, something about these episodes that they're just flying by. the The episodes are really tightly written; they're fast paced. And yet there's just so much richness to the story and the characters. I kind of think that we should have done the UK series first. Right. (laughs) The the mediocre acting, the amateur writing, the preachy stories. It's like, I can't believe we did 83 episodes of that show. But we were committed and that was okay. Mm. And I think, I think, I think there's something really great about now going back to the source and finding, say, like Easter eggs or like what they decided to what kind of traits they decided to maintain for the U.S. version from the U.K. version. You know, Vince's uh, nerdiness, you know, is something to like then translate into Michael and uh, his love of comic books. Yeah, Vince just happens um, to play it better. And Craig Kelly is a much better actor. <laughs> oh, he's so cute. I can't get over it. Uh there's uh, uh, there's always this moment when I'm going to like IMDb to research the episode and my bookmark always takes me right to the U.S. version. And there's just this terrible picture of Debbie on the, the masthead of the U.S. version. And I just see that and I think, wow, we're in a much better show now. You know, I think there's something to be said, especially and I've mentioned this before, in, uh, I think a couple of episodes ago about Hazel as Vince's mom, their dynamic makes so much more sense to me now. Like, uh, like w- the fact that she reads is like closer in age and how, and you know, that's why she's always out with them. That's why she like, she can maintain and he's not quote, you know, always embarrassed at her. He always finds a kind of a laugh and that she's, you know, saying such boisterous things. Like he, he finds a sort of like joy in it. And I love that a lot more. All these characters make sense. I think yeah. in the U.S. version, we were always talking about, why are these characters doing that? Why would they say that? Why would they act that way? What's wrong with these people? <laughs> Whereas here, I think Russell Davies is really writing a story that is so much more relatable to gay men, at least, so far. I'm just finding this show really enjoyable. I look forward to watching it and writing my notes. I look forward 
to recording it with you. Whereas for the last year of doing the US version, I was just dreading it. I was like, well, can we take a week off? <laughs> <laughs> I know the studio is booked, but. Other week. <laughs> but also, we're dealing with episodes that are only a half hour in length. So there's not a lot of filler. They cut right to it. So I think that's that was the key to a lot of this pacing is that they knew that they only had a half. They only had about a half hour to fill. So let's just get to it. Well, that's the thing. They weren't really filling it. They were giving us a half hour because whenever the episode ends, I'm always thinking, oh, I wish there's more. (laughs) Okay, so the A story, Vincent Cameron. Uh, So Vince is at work. Uh, There's something about Vince in a suit that I'm really into. I like seeing Craig Kelly in a suit. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, so he's talking to you, Hazel, on the phone about getting her shopping list. Oh, get us a box of Weetabix. Thought your breakfast was 20 Bensons. It's for little Lord Fauntleroy. I'm not shopping for him. What else does he want? Party rings, Angel Delight, nappies... Get me a big box of surf. I've got double the laundry. It's all bed sheets. I'd forgotten how much teenage boys masturbate. Mom! Stiff as a board. Hazel, <laughs> don't wash him, I'll have him. Bernard says, don't wash him, he'll have him. It's like an 0898 number. I'll bring this stuff round in the afternoon. And we're having words about this Nathan business. It's been a fortnight now. It's ridiculous. And it's great how... Russell Davies works in so much information into just these small incidental exchanges. We learned that Nathan is still living at Hazel's. It's been a couple of weeks. He likes Weetabix, which if you live outside the UK, don't ever eat Weetabix. What are Weetabix? Uh, it, it's a cereal, only it's like the okay. size of like a brick. And so you usually like pull like maybe two of them off the top. It's it's a very fiber rich like <laughs> brick. So it's like a... Like a- Almost like a shredded wheat kind of thing? Yes, shredded wheat, but compacted into something about the size of a small cell phone. Oh, Jesus. And about an inch thick. <laughs> I don't well, like them. I'm, okay. <laughs> I always run into them uh, in airports, especially uh, like in an airport lounge or something like that. There's always just this gigantic bowl of Weetabix out. Avoid Jeez. them. Okay. Uh, so uh, Nathan's also jacking off in the sheets constantly. Uh, we're finding out all this just in one quick phone call. And that's where I think uh, Russell Davies's storytelling really comes into play here. Because I think in the U.S. version, they could have spent like half the episode just giving us this information that we really only need to hear once. And we also see that Vince is starting to get a little bit ticked off that Nathan is still there, but not quite to the point of wanting to really do anything about it. He's just kind of mouthing off about it. Right. It's just sort of like that. They never really are completely turned off that Nathan has is in their lives. He's sort of just like that nuisance rather than something than a parasite. Like yes. it's not yes. as bad. You know, I think it was the last episode. It was after, um, after the funeral that that's when we saw that was, he was finally getting under Vince's skin. Right. Um, everything leading up to this, they're all like, well, you know, how were we at that age? Like we were looking for someone that, you know, we could possibly like look up to or like be accepting of us. So, you know, yeah, like let's have him hang around. He's kind of, you know, a lost little puppy. Let's just make sure that we feed him a little bit, but not too much that he keeps coming back to us. That's okay. There's a great shot of Vince hanging up the phone as Cameron in the background comes into focus. It was a great entry by Cameron. You're busy. I'll just go. Oh my God, sorry. Yeah. Cameron Roberts, we met at Phil's funeral. Yeah, of course we did. Sorry. Vince. I know. Well, 
Bit of a coincidence? Not really. Phil told me you worked here, so I came looking. Just thought you might fancy dinner tonight? Sorry, uh, sort of not at work, you know? Is that a yes or a no? I don't know. I, I might be doing all sorts. It's all right, no pressure. Here's my card. Think about it. Yeah, right. Nice card. Cool. Uh, Cameron kind of made stocking seem like charming. He he came to Vince's store looking for him to ask him out. Um, th that was great. <laughs> right, like it was assertive, but also like also the fact that he didn't that Vince didn't quite pick up that that's who that was until he wasn't distracted to be like, oh wow. <laughs> you know? Well, why do you think Vince was so reluctant to accept though? I would have accepted on the spot. <laughs> this is, oh, no, literally my, this entire storyline, I have questions of Vince, what's wrong with you? Yes. <laughs> Dive on You're it. Tell, like, like it seemed like his biggest complaint about Cameron is that he is uh, 36. Yeah. And Vince is 29 and? or 30. So <laughs> <laughs> what's your point? You're going to tell me that a uh, handsome, charming, successful Australian <laughs> is interested in you and you're going to be like, I don't know. Shut up. Take it. Well, they are in very <sighs> different points in life. Cameron is the accountant. He, uh, according to his card, he's running his own business and Vince is working at a grocery store. So I can see how in management. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't think it's, I don't think this is out of his realm. They're both. That's the thing. Vince is wearing a suit. In a grocery store. I really liked how Stuart kind of first cajoled Vince into going on that date. I couldn't use my own toilet. I had to piss in the sink. That's what happens because of you. I end up pissing in my own Mr. sink. Mr. Roberts. Yes, I've got Mr. Tyler here for you. Putting you through. I, I want my uh. friends to do that for me when I'm like kind of not too sure about calling somebody up. Trick me into it. I would say that Stuart does such a great job of pumping Vince up. Like, he lets him know that, no, he's attractive. You are worth it. You deserve this. Like, he gives him such affirmations. <laughs> like, what Vince to fucking listen to him. Like, it's great. Vince and Cameron end up on their date at a nice French restaurant. As Vince was rattling off his list of Canal Street haunts, he really did show himself as a, as a scene queen, as Cameron puts it. I kind of miss being a scene queen, but I like that moment where he's just rambling off like a half dozen bars that he goes to. <laughs> What about the Rembrandt? Is that still going? Yeah, I go there. I'm Veer Fossa, and the Union, and Mantos and Mats, and Napoleons, New York, New York, and Cruise, and Babylon, and Paradise. I'm Poptastic. Just every now and then. I think that makes you officially a scene queen. <laughs> so the phone tag between four people in the restaurant scene, I thought was astonishing. I just want to play that. I want to play the whole scene right now. Stuart, seriously, it's your fault he's left home. You could wander off at anywhere. Hold on, call waiting. Yeah. Thank you, Stuart, thank you so much. I've had Ben cry in his eyes that that's all he needs, another man to abandon him. I did phone Marie, I left a message. It's just, it's an emergency, I've got to work. You're in a bar, I can hear it. How many dates do you think I'd get anyway, a mother with two kids? Hold on, call waiting. Yeah. Are you with Martin Brooks? Because his mobile switched off. His wife's on the phone. She's had the roof fall in or something. Martin, it's your wife. I'm not here. He's not here. Call waiting. He's a busy man. Look, I'm, I hope you don't mind, but could you put it down just for a minute? Yeah, sure. 
Sorry. Right. Because if you want to go clubbing, I could... Um... I'm sorry. It's this boy. I promised his mother. Hello? Vince, he's kept me waiting long enough. Now put him on the phone. I'm not with Stuart. You're always with him. I was supposed to be on a date and he's ruined it. Marie, honestly, I'm not. Hold on. Call waiting. Yeah? Vince, put him on. I know full well he's taken Martin Brooks to some godforsaken dive. I'm not with Stuart. His wife's going mental. Whose wife? Martin Brooks. Who the hell is Martin Brooks? Hold on. Call waiting. What? You hung up on me. Are you and Martin Brooks? How do you know Martin Brooks? I've got Sandra chasing Martin Brooks. I've never heard of Martin Brooks. Hold on. He's not with Martin Brooks. Who the hell is Martin Brooks? Sorry, wrong one. Hold on. Sandra, no Martin Brooks. He is with Martin Brooks and his roof has fallen in. Whose roof's fallen in? Martin Brooks. Hold on. Marie, is your date with Martin Brooks? Who the fuck is Martin Brooks? I don't know, but he's got a wife and a dodgy roof. Wait a minute, I know Martin Brooks. Let me have a word. Oi! That's my phone! <laughs> this was just paced perfectly. It was just a great way to wind up Cameron, but not like wind him up so much that he's going to just kind of act out over it. But it gave him a reason to stick his tongue down Vince's throat. I love this scene. I loved everything about this scene. Uh, the the back and forth, the fact that this involves uh, Nathan and Vince and Nathan's sister. And, and Martin and Brooks. And, and Martin Brooks. <laughs> and like, who's Martin Brooks? Like the back and forth, the fact that they kept announcing call waiting, ding. <laughs> <laughs> the effect of it was hysterical. And so, yeah, to have it culminate in Cameron, again, being assertive uh, and taking charge by literally chucking Vince's phone <laughs> into the river uh, and then just getting in there. Oh, oh, my God. Take me take me on the bridge there and now. <laughs> well, it's enough to get Vince all riled up because. Oh, the fact that he goes, he, he kid, deep kisses him and just says, call me. Yeah, and then just walks away. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yes. It's like, I'm going to try that sometime. Just try to wind there people up that way and then just walk away. <laughs> so uh, later at the bar, Vince uh, eyes a trick and kind of reels him in. I like this kind of recurring gag of terrible kissers in the show mixed with good kissers <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because it's really quite accurate. I, I think that there are probably more bad kissers than good kissers out in the world. And I like that they're getting equal representation in the show. It's like you're either eating his chin or you're just kind of like being like really super aggressive with you're, the you're face. Like a, you're, yeah, you're a gaping maw apparently. Like I just love that Vince is like trying to, to give him pointers. Sorry, do you mind shutting your mouth a bit? Yeah, sure. Oh. It's just a bit more sexy if you keep your mouth shut a bit. Yeah, sure. So it's like, I like that he's, he's not immediately turned off. He's trying to like steer the conversation. Like he's trying to steer it a little bit. Uh, and I also love the fact that this trick turns out to be such a major nerd, which you think would play in Vince's favor, but he's more annoyed than anything. Well, I, I had a note here of a question to ask you. Have you ever gotten a trick home only to have that trick be like more interested in something that's in your apartment than interested in you like a video or a dvd or music or something like that well 
No, because that stuff was usually not on display except for like maybe some books. But I would say that I don't think I've ever had that. The tricks, anytime I had someone over or I was over there, like straight to the point. Yeah, we we knew <laughs> we knew why we were there. And we we went ahead and just like locked that in. And then like maybe afterwards to like quell the, the small talk that's got to happen while I'm trying to, you know, say, OK, get the hell out. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe there's something there. But after that, no. Well. I have, and Ooh. I'll tell you why. You, you've been to my place many times. Um, and so, you know, I'm a photographer, and so I have lots mm. of pictures on the walls. <laughs> and yes. almost invariably, the trick will recognize somebody that I've photographed before, which uh. can sometimes be quite awkward. <laughs> oh, you know him. How do you know him? Why do you know him? <laughs> and, then, and then it can like escalate the wrong direction like pretty quickly. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's like, I don't know. I just photographed him. It's okay. That's it. That's it. Just pictures. Yes, because I'm a professional, right? Somebody comes over for uh, a photo. That's all we're doing. Sure. Uh, so do you think that Vince and this guy actually hooked up, or do you think they just wa- watched Doctor Who all night? <laughs> I wasn't clear because he was there in the morning. He wasn't there in the I thought he was just, he watched the episodes and then l- left. No, he, he was there in the morning because Vince was getting dressed for work. Oh. You know, he's getting his suit on again. I don't think they shagged. I don't think they did. No, I think I think I think maybe there was like, you know, maybe some like light cuddling, but that was it. On the sofa as the the video was playing. <laughs> oh, Vince was mad. <laughs> yeah, that look on his face like, what do you mean you're more interested in Doctor Who than me? <laughs> oh. So this leads to Vincent Cameron going out on kind of like a real date. Cameron really summed up the reason why he had kind of lost his infatuation with gay districts. That same men standing in all the same clubs, that really resonated with me because I've seen that forever. That's been going on as long as I can remember going to gay bars. Yes. Oh my God. When I went to London last year and we were going to some of the gay bars there, I was like looking around the crowd. I'm going like, I like, I could so easily say, oh, this bar is like the, yeah, totally. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Like I was like, I was doing so many, like, I was just like linking up. It's like, what were the sister bars (laughs) between Chicago (laughs) and London? I was like, oh, okay. So like, you're like this one. Cool. So I know what kind of crowd you're going to get. I know what kind of crowd you're going to get here and here and here and here. And I was like, okay, cool. Not much change. So Stuart makes a pass at Cameron. I'm looking around. For. Anything. There's always something better, isn't there? Just waiting to come along. You know that feeling? This was a really loaded moment. Uh, Stuart spent most of the episode feeling unwanted or wanted by somebody else in a transactional manner. We'll talk about his story in a, in a minute. Vince was giving somebody else his attention. He wasn't paying undivided attention to Stuart. So Stuart ends up doing two things. He wanted to feel desired by somebody, and he wanted to keep Vince's attention. So this was a really, really layered and textured scene with these three characters. Yeah, and like, I guess the thing I'm trying to figure out is what was what was Stuart's, like, end game with it was he just like having a bit of fun was he like actually hoping like a menage kind of thing would happen or was like i don't think that was was the case (laughs) 
<laughs> just like, did, was he just trying to one up Vince or, or was it as what you said? Like, he's just trying to make sure that, OK, yes, you can have fun with Cameron. Yeah, I'm all for that. But like, don't forget, I'm number one. It's almost like that moment in, in the U.S. version whenever uh, Justin and Brian were finally together. They said, like, you can go and have your fun. But remember, you're always coming like <laughs> you're always coming home with me or whatever. Mm. Like, like, yeah. Like, wh- what is that? What was that dynamic there that he was trying to play out? Or was it like, was it something that was purely selfish? Like, nothing has worked out for him the way he wanted to. So, like, I'm going to try and get, like, the easy one. And because uh, Lord knows, I mean, I would say that I haven't done this with, like, a friend. But I definitely have stolen a guy from someone. <laughs> <laughs> But like, yeah, it's it would yeah, it's a very like complicated situation, especially considering we know how we kind of get this feeling that that's sort of how like Vince is, has always had like that unrequited thing for Stewart, but now now they have someone else in the mix. Yeah, and they left together. So Vince and Cameron left together, and they're back at Vince's apartment. And I just love that Vince is the one that put the first move on Cameron. He uh. just had this moment of they're looking at each other, and then he's like, bam. In. Frow. We yeah. love it. Uh, and I love that the episode ended with that too. With <laughs> <laughs> like that mid air freeze. Yeah, that's the second time we saw that. It's like every episode's ending with somebody jumping into the air for sexual purposes. <laughs> into it. I enjoy that. This is so queer as folk. Stick around. We've got more to come. story of the night nathan maloney i love this story we start out in bed nathan has a trick of his own oh i wish we could have seen the backstory of nathan and the new character named daz collinson it's like how did these two come together i would have loved to have seen that backstory Yes, I thought that was very interesting to like start with like, oh, well, Nathan's having his own, you know, hookups. He's no longer just trying to bag Stuart. He's now <laughs> he's picking up tricks on his own. He's learning quick for a 15 year old. I really want to know who topped and bottomed with those two. <laughs> I have a feeling that Nathan is willing to top more than we think. Yeah, I think uh, he probably topped because he had already been topped by Stuart. And so I think he he wanted to try the other direction. Yes. So he rushes home from that encounter and shows up at Hazel's house. And Hazel's laying down the law. Is that my shirt? Is it iron? Is there any hot water? I met this bloke in Paradise Factory. Thought he was a nice boy. I woke up this morning. You could have been dead. Your mother's on the way round. Do you want me to tell her? She's hanging on to this by the skin of her teeth. I tell her what you've been doing. She'll have you back home even if she has to call the police. Do you want me to tell her? You're in this house on a favor, sunshine. Don't piss me off. She's making it very clear, like, just because you're not with your mother and father and you're here does not mean that you get to go out all hours of the night. You're still a 15-year-old. I'm still going to mother you and, like, I will lay down the law. I don't give a shit. (laughs) And it's great to watch. Yeah, I'm just, I'm still not vibing, though, with why 
Nathan isn't aligned with his mother. Yes, absolutely. It just seems like a gap there. Janice is clearly okay with him being gay and she's not giving up on him, but why? what's he doing at Hazel's house again? Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I had that exact note is that like we are seeing Janice like clearly try to be making an effort. She's trying to like allow him to have his space to explore and stay somewhere else, but she's still somewhat involved in his life. And, you know, I think we also had like, there was that, sort of lie I think Nathan told about how his dad like went ballistic and shit and I guess that's why he may have initially ended up at Hazel's but yeah you're right we're we're seeing his mom say like I'm not right I'm not giving up I'm not like it's like yeah why are you treating your mom like shit she's clearly she's down she's down with the cause she wants to make sure you're you're okay and that you can we she can provide that for you at home why are you acting like a little bitch (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, we kind of get a little bit of an answer from Hazel. He's 15. That's all. Happens all over Janice. Some boys don't come out of the closet. They explode. Nathan has found in open, warm, non-judgmental, free-spirited environment at Hazel's. Hazel has a gay son. Stuart pops mm-hmm. by every so often. Bernard is an aging gay man that lives there that provides comic relief. I'd want to live there. He likes it here too much. While he's here, he's safe. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like dangerous and adult, uh, and that like that's the thing. Like I think Nathan is really thinking that he is he's a man now. Mm. Well, it's interesting that they they barely have known Nathan, and he's just kind of insinuated himself so deeply into Hazel Vince Stewart's life. That was pretty quick. <laughs> so he meets him, moves in with uh, his top's best friend's mother, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> I mean, then again, like the, the, the uh, this whole thing is just boggling to me, though. Like, I I, I can't. But let it's it working go. for like, me. It's like I, I okay. I've got these comments, but I'm like, okay, I'm I'm cool with this. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, we see Daz again. He interests this uh, really cutely. Nathan, look, I can see you now. Bet you can't remember my name, you day, Shaka. Young your mom for a bit. No, where I'm going. We're not. We just got here. We're going, all right? Nathan, love, calm down. This might come as a shock, but I'm not in love with you. You're quite safe. I'll be back in a minute. I'll have a dry martini. It's Daniel, by the way. Yeah, I love that play <laughs> on the... Uh, on the episode one, where those same words are kind of thrown back at Nathan. And here is really, really cool to see it come the other direction. Something that I loved about Daz is like, interest in that moment was also him going like, hey, it's okay. I'm not in love with you. So like, let's just chill. Like, cause you could see that like Nathan was like trying to avoid him and try and treat him like a trick. He's like, listen, we can totally be friends. I'm not a stalker. You're just fun. Okay. I'll be back. And I like that. He I like that he makes that very clear that like, I see the fear in your eyes and that you're seeing someone that you just fucked not 12 hours ago again. But yeah, sorry. I'm not like, I'm not like you (laughs) with Stuart chasing after you all. I just happen to see you in the bar. Let's have a drink. There's really two types of tricks. There's the ones that fall in love with you right away. And there's the ones that see a hookup for what it is. And that's Daz. And I really thought that uh, Russell Davies got this right here because that's like something real. And that's something that I think we can all appreciate. And I, I just love the way his realism, it just comes across in such a, a really approachable manner. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious that Nathan lied to his best friend, Donna, about who Dows was though, the six foot four barrister. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's and like, Donna why is he doing her, that? 
There's no point. There's no, like it, it's there's not really a competition happening between you and Donna. Right. I think Donna, I think Donna finds the whole thing amusing. Oh, she's and, great. <laughs> she's oh, just like I am loving obsessed it. Obsessed with Donna. <laughs> like just like Daphne, I am obsessed with Donna. Uh, Daphne is just a write off here. It's like Donna's Donna's a real deal. Hundred <laughs> percent. Daz had some good feedback about Stuart. Words of advice, Nathan. You can swan about, but there's one thing sharp. He's not young, and he knows it. Your age, you can make him beg. Daz is just this really good guide for Nathan as he's learning the ropes of gay Manchester. Nathan already has the swagger down. We've seen it when he goes to school. Like, now throw in the confidence of, like, you also have the youth that the gay community loves to, like, hold on to as much as possible before they turn 30. You, yeah, you are, you have home court advantage for this situation. There's this great interchange between Nathan and Donna also when they're out taking their walk. I've got real problems. Oh, like what? Like your mother's been going through your things. Big deal. She knew everything. She'd been spying. So? She's your mother, it's a job. It's like she thinks if I move back home, I'll go back to normal. Like I'm sick and like I'll get better. She never said that. Donna, you don't know her. You don't know anything. Because you're straight, right? You're part of the system, right? You're part of the fascist heterosexual orthodoxy. I'm black and I'm a girl. Try that for a week. Uh, Nathan sure is fantastical about Janice, though. He's like making up all kinds of stuff about mm -hmm. this. And Donna just sees it all very clearly through and through and defends Janice. Did you pick up on Nathan quoting to Donna the poster from Daz's wall? No. Okay, I must have missed this. Because like, because there's something that happens in this scene that I was like locked onto 100% more. So go ahead. This is when Nathan blurts out you're part of the fascist heterosexual orthodoxy. And then Donna just slays him right back. I'm black and a girl. Try that for a week. <laughs> <laughs> and this was in 1999 too. I lost my fucking mind. <laughs> I was like, yes. Donna has become the best character of this series. I'm done. I don't need any more. We're good. Good night, everybody. Thank you Roll for the music. I'm good. That's it. End credits. Oh, it made me so fucking happy. That line Tears. that set her off was the. It was a poster on Daz's wall, and when I saw that, I was like, okay, that's a weird thing to like have on the wall so prominently. It's like, what was the set dresser thinking there? And then he pulled it out because he's looking for this vocabulary of being gay. And he thought that that was it. And he drops it on his best friend. And she's not having it. Not one bit. Yeah. Like you could feel the claps in between that, li that line that she slays him with. And it's, I think that that's such a, such an, oh God, how to describe it. It's such a great specificity for a young gay man that you're trying to, cultivate what your identity is and what in <laughs> what capital G-A-Y means and that there's still like there's some sort of uniformity to it and there's not. And so for him to just try and like latch on to latch on to something and use that as ammo, especially with someone who is also part of a marginalized community, <laughs> a much more marginalized community. She was like, oh, you, oh, you think you did something? <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
I'm gonna have to write this I, one I, down I, as one of the high points of the series when we do our recap. Hundred <laughs> percent. I want it played on a loop. <laughs> so our C story of the night uh, is actually what opened up the episode, and that's Stuart's story. Uh, we start out in in Stuart's loft. He's got some gentlemen over. It's something I noticed here is that uh, in all these situations, the tricks are spending the night. I don't think in the U.S. show a trick ever spent the night at Brian's house other than Justin. Is that accurate? Um, I think unless they went all the way through the night and then they just so happened to like end by morning. But yeah, I think that's a good point. That, yeah, he, he lets them rest yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before he so rudely claps, get out. <laughs> all right, come on, move. I've got work. Oi, set out. And you. That was kind of a cute get out, though, <laughs> because he's wandering around. Out. It's like, you get out and you, too. <laughs> I was waiting <laughs> yes, for a third. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love the one in the kitchen who was just sort of like, yeah, right, I'm going to finish my cereal. But yeah, that's fine. Right. We meet Stuart's sister and we see that he has two nephews and she wants him to, to babysit the kids so that she can go out on a date. But Stuart is a little sidetracked with a character named Martin Brooks. And that's a, a client of Stewart's agency that needs to be entertained. Martin Brooks is played by Michael Culkin, and he is was in uh, almost all of season two of The Crown, where he played Rab Butler, the conservative politician. And he was also in two episodes of Downton Abbey, season three. He was the Archbishop Bishop of York. He's a great character ah, actor. Yeah, and at first I totally thought it was Stephen Fry. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, and like he's he's that same kind of actor. Like you, I mean, he's brilliant in um, the murder mystery Gosford Park. He played Oscar Wilde in uh, a movie called Wild from the nineties. Uh, and you know, we've seen him. He's he's just an all around fabulous British actor. And I spitting image of Stephen Fry. I did like that line where he he tells Stuart that he wants to go to his sort of place. I did think, I mean, the concert, but I thought we'd have a touch more fun, you know. If, we went to your sort of place. My sort of place. Your sort of place. <laughs> Jesus Christ, is there no one straight left in the world? Martin, twist my arm. Then later he says that he'll sign the contract if Stuart does something <laughs> to him. <laughs> uh, if uh, Yeah, uh, if, he, uh, if he, I guess, makes himself available. Mm. It's funny how quickly Stuart just punted him off onto uh, a fellow named Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> the bar is like, Stuart right. had enough of this. It's like, what's your name? Here, take him. <laughs> <laughs> like literally the nearest person. And I guess it, it, it works. Yeah. <laughs> so Stuart's uh, speech to Martin the next day. What time is your train on? Oh, I'll, I'll call and cancel. I'll tell Anne I've got to work. Fine. Cancel. Go out, get pissed, get shagged. Fine. Then you can do it again. Then you can do it again. Get shagged every night of your life. Get your wife, forget your kids. Just don't be a tourist. You either do it or you don't. So what's it gonna be? Staying or going? My train's at half past. I liked what Stuart had to say here, uh, but I wasn't quite sure why he was saying it. Why was, why was he taking this out on, on poor Martin Brooks? What exactly set him off about Martin's touristy behavior? It's a very good question because he almost like made him want to not forget his responsibilities 
or just like, cause yeah, he, yeah, yeah why? It's, it's like, it's, like what, right, <laughs> where yeah. does this come from? Yeah, like, well, yeah, why, why is that any of, of Stewart's business, what he wants to do? But it's clearly enough for him to say, yep, I'll be on that next train back home to my wife and kids. But like, it's, yeah, it's interesting that Stewart would, would Stewart have been more inclined to say, listen, you're clearly gay. Why keep up this charade? Yeah, I feel like this was less about Stewart and more about Russell Davies making a statement about mm -hmm. these people that go to the big city, they get their rocks off, then they go back into their sheltered life. So I'd like to think that this could have been to any character other than Stuart, but Stuart's probably the only one that's kind of got the moxie to call out somebody on it and say, look, this is not what gay men are about. Gay men aren't about coming mm -hmm. out, hooking up with other men, then going home to their wife and kids. You're living in, in kind of a an atypical way that's fair well yeah he's i think that's right he's he's the only person who could have that kind of moxie to say it and like not lose the deal right exactly <laughs> yeah for, he got the contract right <laughs> oh yeah he's still signed there's something about the way that Stuart works in this agency that i'm really appreciating versus the us version and that's Stuart is not like the superman of the agency he's not portrayed as this like magician that can conjure up whatever he wants. And I think that that was a big problem in the U S show, the way that Brian Kinney was always portrayed as like magic man. Yeah. He was the, he was the Superman of the ego and he was always there. And here we have, he's more human. There's human levels to him. Yeah. We can believe this, that that could be us going to work. That could be us mm -hmm. in those situations. And I, don't know, I just, I just like how approachable it is. We know that he's, he is very engaging and he has charm and he can be direct and confident with people, but we feel like we could be him. Whereas I don't for a minute think that anybody could ever feel like they could be Brian Kinney. I've seen people try and it never quite worked. <laughs> so Nathan appears at Romy and Lisa's house and I had a question for you, Matt. How did he find his way there? How does he know where they live? Okay, so there was that one moment where he so happened to pass them in the cab with Donna. Oh, did she go has, home no, I, after that? Or did, did I see, mm. just all of a sudden he's just like there. <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> but I liked it though. It worked. Yeah, and Nathan's like, what are you doing? Or Stuart's like, what are you doing here? Yeah. I mean, we got the same surprise that Stuart got and I kind of thought that was clever. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> He's just, you know, he's hanging out there with the baby and everybody else. He's just one of the gang now. Yeah, gets his digs in. Hiya. What are you doing here? I was passing. We're just saying, weekends, I could look after Alfred. You know, babysit. Because you're at work all week. You must be worn out at your age. We like Nathan. Nathan can stay. Because <laughs> remember, Nathan can stay. We also meet a character named Lance Ampama. Uh, new character, a uh, small role mm -hmm. in this episode, but his story amps up in the next few. It's one of those situations where right away I'm looking at this character thinking, uh-huh, you're a little dodgy here. There's something going on with you. Lance, Lance Ampoma, nice to meet you. I have told you Lance works at the university. We did that seminar on ethics, if you listened. Moved in since when? Oh, it's not for long. My visa expires in five months. I had to move flats last week. Couldn't get a five-month lease, so Romy helped me out. I'm another one of her lost causes. Christ, you can't turn your back on this house. 
And yet you still do. What what made you say that there was something dodgy? Anytime like some character comes out and just grabs the baby and is acting like they know the baby and can take care of the baby, I'm like, mm, who are you? Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I thought he gave he, he gave a full rundown of his situation. You know, he his visa is expiring and he has you know has a very limited lease time, and you know they were kind enough to let him. Let Romy was kind enough to like let him stay there. Well, maybe Stewart summed it up when he says. I have no idea who you are, mate. <laughs> so Stuart and Marie have a an interesting scene together. A dead phone, I left a message. Is this what you do on Saturday? Just call around and apologize for the week? The child miner's a bit stupid with messages sometimes. Get an answer phone. I had one. Robert took it. Here, get yourself a new one. The car needs a service, the clutch is gone. How much? 200. And Tom's nagging for software. He wants a new graphics package or something. Just call it 500, yeah? Fine. It was curious to see Stuart being like so generous with his sister. This character of Stuart just continues to surprise me at every turn. He, he's a rascal, but mm -hmm. he doesn't seem especially malevolent. Like their relationship seems very like, like they're perfectly healthy siblings. You know, he's listening to her problems he's excited that she's you know going gonna go on this date and that's why he's like willing to watch the kids he's you know and he was i mean he let her down be, but <laughs> right well, he let her down uh, you know eventually but like he was still like he was trying to be sympathetic to her situation and i'm like oh so like you guys are all you, you all are cool so okay yeah it's like a more healthy relationship mm -hmm. and healthy relationships can have problems you don't need to have like a toxic relationship to create drama so I thought that was working well. Okay, tops and bottoms for this episode. What's your top, Matt? Oh, my top is Donna. Mm. All day, every day. <laughs> she <laughs> dropped so much hard truth with two lines in this episode that she became like the star for me. I was so completely obsessed with her. And then I'll say that my other top is, you know, the top of the episode, which is Cameron. Mm. So I'd like to say that the entire episode was a top, but uh, I tried to get a little more specific. And that phone tag scene really made me laugh. Yes. I, you know, I, I'm going to throw that into my pile, too, because it, it was just great. I've seen it several times, but ever I watched it and I just could not stop laughing as it was playing out. And especially where Stuart says, how do you know who Martin Brooks is? <laughs> And that, yeah, when it hit that that apex of them, everyone continues to say Martin Brooks, Martin Brooks. Who the fuck is Martin Brooks? <laughs> I just like straight up. I just like I, it wasn't even just a laugh, a chuckle, a chortle. It was a guffaw <laughs> that came out. It was so I that just like I couldn't keep it in anymore. So what was your bottom then? You know, I think it, Nathan's attitude is just really kind of grating on me now. In the sense that, like, I and granted, this is like I'm totally on board with the journey that he's having as a, a growing gay man, uh, and he's just trying to latch onto an identity. But the fact that it's coming at the expense of his mother, who is clearly sympathetic, um, and trying to maintain an open and honest relationship with him, to him trying to like put Donna in her place when she's clearly not going to have it. Uh, th the way he sort of is disrespecting Hazel. I'm like, okay, you are acting like the 15 year old little shit that we all kind of thought you were like, you need to cool it. 
I want to like him. <laughs> <laughs> well, so my bottom's kind of related, and I had to really fish for this one, but I feel like I need more information about why Nathan ran away from home. I, I get that mm. he's in a much more supportive environment at Hazel's, but I think some of the causality that comes up in the next couple of episodes should have come first so that mm. it was very clear why Nathan was running away. So that, that that's going to play out soon. Uh, this has been an episode five of season one, and it's called The Date. Next time on Still Queers Folk, Vince and Cameron are dating, but the observant Cameron is starting to sense the strange dynamic between Vince and Stuart. And Nathan begins acting out, and Stuart faces off with his parents over being gay. That'll be episode six of season one, and it's called Meet the Parents. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Patrick Randall. And I'm Matt Dominguez. Still Queers Folk is a production of Slightly Unbalanced. Matt Dominguez wrote and performed the show with me tonight. Still Queers Folk was made with love in Chicago.